please and find your Bibles and turn them to Mark's Gospel in chapter number 4. We've spent several weeks in Matthew chapter 13. Now we're going to jump over to Mark and be in Mark for a few weeks. Jesus has just finished the first series of parables. They were called the kingdom parables. These parables were to illustrate to his disciples the importance of the kingdom and the value of the kingdom. Jesus has now continued on in his earthly, uh, excuse me, Galilean ministry. And several general statements are made about what Christ is doing between the parables and the events that we're going to read for you today. Namely, Jesus continues a preaching ministry in Galilee, in the synagogues. It's spoken in generic terms in verses 33 through 35. Or 34, but then if you were to cross-reference that over with Matthew's gospel, he says a little bit more about it at the end of the parables. Also, what takes place in this time is that Jesus is rejected at Nazareth, his hometown, the town that he grew up in. So now Jesus is going to leave, temporarily at least, the area of Galilee that we know of. Now, now the Sea of Galilee sets in northern Israel, and the predominant part of Jesus' ministry in Galilee takes place on the western side of the Sea of Galilee. That's where Capernaum is, that's where um, Cana is, that's where Nazareth is. It's the Israel side of the Sea of Galilee. On the other side of the Sea of Galilee is, a, is also a part of Israel, but it was also heavily populated with Gentiles. And when we go over there, here in just a moment, and starting next week, we're going to see that Jesus has an amazing ministry with the Gentiles. But in order to get from the western side of Galilee to the eastern side of Galilee would require a little boat ride. So let's go on a boat ride with Jesus, beginning in verse 35. On the same day... When evening, evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern. Sleep on a pillow. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? Then they came to the other side of the sea. Amen. This is God's word. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, the master of the sea. The master of the sea. Let's pray together if we could. Lord, thank you that you are the master of the sea. And thank you that you are the Lord of the storm and you are in control of every situation that is here reflected at River City Baptist Church this morning. And every situation of all the universe. And Lord, we can trust you and we thank you that you've got some things for us in the storm. 
I pray this morning as we learn, as we grow, that you'll build our faith. In Jesus' name, amen. I taught Zach Phillips in college. Zach is a fine young Christian from Charleston, South Carolina, who went off to Bible college, met his wife, Tony, there. Zach and Tony have been married for just a couple years, have a small child. Just a few weeks ago, announced to their friends and family on Facebook that Tony, who is also pregnant with their second child, just about 26 weeks along, I think, had found a major brain tumor in her, uh, in her, in her, in her brain, going down her brain stem. They're in their early 20s. He's a youth pastor at a little church in South Carolina. Last night, or excuse me, Wednesday was surgery number one to remove the brain tumor. Yesterday was to be surgery, I guess Friday was surgery number two back to back. In a recovery from the second brain surgery, she had a major complication with the, with the pregnancy and they had to take the baby by C-section early, born I think get two or three pounds and eight ounces. Tonight, Tony is in ICU fighting for her life in critical condition. They could use the prayers of God's people everywhere. Their condition is severe, obviously, but everywhere in between of small storms and big storms, you and I find ourselves often. It's been said that you are either leaving a storm, in a storm, or heading into the storm. The truth is, there are very few seasons of calm water in this ocean of life. So, you better become good at navigating rough waters. But what you do not need to do is become a better captain of the ship. What you do need to know is the master of the sea. Because even if you are the best sailor in the house, you can't control the storm. And there are some things that ships simply cannot handle no matter how oftentimes you've been there. But there is one that's greater than the storm, one that created the storm, one that can navigate all storms, and one that frankly can stop the storms. And when you and I know the master of the sea, we can face any storm that may blow our direction. This is what the disciples are going to learn in this chapter. They have seen Jesus perform many miracles for others, but guess what? Up to this point, they haven't really seen Jesus perform a miracle for them. Now, folks, we can all attest to what we've heard God do in the lives of other people, and it's always encouraging to hear, isn't it? It's always encouraging to hear that God answered this person's prayer, God did this for somebody else, or even to watch God bring healing in someone else's life. But I think we would all agree that it's an entirely different thing to see God do something great in our own lives. And they are getting ready to experience one of the most powerful miracles they could ever experience. That the very God of the universe, the same one that created the sea they were floating on, the same one that blew the wind that was ripping their sails apart, the same one that created the waves that were crashing over the edge of their boat is the same one that is going to stand out, come on, he's going to stand out in the middle of it all and tell it all just to stop. And he does. 
And to be clear, there are some things you need to learn about God in every storm that you will face. Number one, I want you to see the first truth is this. God will not leave you stranded in a storm. Somebody better help me up here this morning. God will never leave you stranded in a storm. I love the verse, verse 35. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them. Now look at this next phrase. This will help you today. Let us cross over. Now you got to understand that let us is a personal plural pronoun. What Jesus is saying here, I'm not sending you disciples on your own to cross from here over to the area of the Gadarenes. I'm saying that when we're crossing this sea and going to enter this storm, we are going to enter this storm together. That's the good news that I bring to church to you this morning. That whatever storm you may find yourself in, whatever problem you are going through, you're never going to have to go through it alone. Because the presence of God was in the storm. Nothing could be more calming, more assuring, and more helpful to the child of God to know that whatever I am going through, I have this promise as a child of God that wherever I'm going to and whatever I'm going through, I know that God is with me. Why? Because he said he was going to be, right? Psalm 23 verse 4, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of even death, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Isaiah 43 verse 2, When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And most famously, Hebrews 13 and verse 5, For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. It may seem like he is asleep. Come on. It may seem like he's not there. It may seem like he doesn't know what you're going through. But child of God, I am here to tell you this morning that whatever it is, you can bank on this. He is in fact there. But not only was there the presence of God in this storm, there were the presence of God's people in this storm as well. You see, it wasn't just one disciple going through this, it was them. In fact, look at all these plural pronouns. Verse 35, he said to them. Verse 36, now when they had left. Verse 36, but when he was in the stern asleep on the pillow, they awoke him and said, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? I love this part. There were times where God sent them on smaller missions, but as a whole, this was a group that was together. They were in the boat together. They were in the storm together. Hey, listen, I am here to tell you this morning, if you're not blessed by what we are experiencing here at this church this morning, then I'm not quite sure you understand even the nature of the word community. This is a community. This is a body. And the body is never, excuse me, the Christian is never intended to live the Christian life on its own. It is a together thing. Come on. It is a we thing. It is a us thing. It is a together thing. And aren't you glad for the times that you have gone through storms only to find that somebody was willing to jump in the boat with you and ride out the storm together with you. That's why I love the church. That's why I love the people of God. That's why I built my life around this place that's why I've always been around the church because it is here in the family of God that I find what I need when my boat is rocking 
So I might find prayer there. I might find a word of encouragement there. I might find a sermon there. I might, come on, I might find a song there, but I'm not going to find it if I isolate myself and go out on my own and try to do it by myself. But oh, listen, when you gather and we are prayed over and we are cared for and we are visited and we are loved on and we are ministered to, that is why we are here. I read a very interesting story this week. It was an adoption story, so I'm always interested in those. Pam and Gary Willis from California were scrolling through Facebook in 2019. They were arrested by a story of seven children that were in a car accident with their parents. All seven children survived. Both parents died. Ages 12 to 1. With nowhere to go, in a broken family, with lots of abuse and problems, they were stuck in foster care. And in what probably was the feel-good story of 2019, they reached out to the family and reached out to the foster care system and ultimately adopted all seven children into their family. Interestingly enough, a Pam is 51, was 51 at the time, Gary was 53 at the time, and they had already raised five of their own children, their Instagram is called the Second Chance Seven. They say that we gave the kids a second chance, but they gave us a second chance. And after raising their kids and sending their biological kids out, they adopted all seven of the children when they first came. All the children had severe trauma, as you can imagine, not only from the car accident and the loss of their parents, but also uh, from the repetitive, abusive nature of their family's relationship prior to their death. The kids were frequented with nightmares. One night, the seven-year-old came into their room. She had had frequent nightmares, and Pam said to the seven-year-old, did you have a bad dream? said no I just wanted to know that you're still here let me tell you a question you never have to ask God are you still here because the answer to that question is always yes God is in control, excuse me, God is, will never leave you stranded in the storm. Number two, I love this, God is in control of the storm. God is in control of the storm. I want you to understand, when he says, let us cross over to the other side in verse 35, make no mistake about it, friend, he knew what was coming. He knew what they were going to face. He knew what kind of winds were going to blow. In fact, the very truth of the matter is all storms are God allowed. Aren't you glad to know that whatever is going on in your life either comes from God or it comes through God? Meaning, uh, God is never caught by surprise and nothing ever gets around God to you. If anything's going to get to you, it had to be God allowed. Why? Because God's in control of the storm. Friend, take encouragement from that today. Not only are storms God allowed, but listen to me very carefully, storms are God controlled. 
The same storm that God allowed to take place in these disciples' lives is the same storm that he stopped. So listen, friend, if the winds are blowing and the rain is falling and the waves are crashing in your life, be clear about this. Before you get too discouraged and before you roll it up and before you jump ship and before you do something stupid, let me just remind you today, whatever's going on in your life right now, God allowed it to take place and God controls it when it is taking place. Aren't you glad for that today? Aren't you glad that there is nothing in your life that is out of control? If you believe in God, one of the most fundamental things you believe about God is that he is absolutely sovereign over all things. Y'all let that word scare you. I know people let that word scare them. Are you kidding me? I don't get scared of stuff that's in the Bible. I'm more scared about myself than I am about what's in the Bible. Now, I'm not afraid of the word sovereignty. Are you kidding me? God is sovereign. It's a pillow you can sleep on. Listen to me. Why was Jesus asleep down in the boat when everybody else is flipped out and about to uh, run, uh, run headlong into despair? Why could Jesus sleep? He knew he was in control. By the way, what frightens you and scares you, as Mark Thrift said back in November, what scares and frightens you puts God to sleep. In other words, God's not worried about it. God's not wringing his hands. God's not shaking his head trying to figure out what's God on. God doesn't have a bottle of white out by the throne trying to correct any mistakes that slipped by him when he was maybe uh, off, you know, to lunch or something like that. How many of you glad to know he's in control. He's the king of the universe. He never, come on, he never takes a break. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. Nothing is over our God or he is not God. And the very fact that he is over everything, that he's in control of everything, and that he allows everything is enough for us to trust him. Which leads me to the third point. And that is this, God will instruct you in the storm. Now, I did not grow up in Florida. I plan to die in Florida, somebody help me up here. I just cannot fathom a more wonderful place to live in all of the universe than Florida, okay? Man, I've lived in, I've lived in Kansas City. Are you kidding me? I worked construction in Kansas City. It was so, so cold out there in the middle of January. It's so frosty and icy and snowy. No thanks. I've lived in West Virginia. You notice there ain't a whole lot of people still in West Virginia. They all leave West Virginia. There's a reason for that. I love to visit, but I do not like to stay. I've lived in California. God help, do I need to say anything else about that? <laughs> I love Florida. I do. We moved here in 2016. I got here in July. And one of the first things that happened to us in 2016 was Hurricane Matthew. And fortunately for all of us in Jacksonville, we know because of the geography and the, the shape of the, the state that more often times the storms hit North and South Carolina and even Georgia than they do Northeast Florida because of the way that the state is shaped. But we all know, because we live in Florida, even if Jacksonville is not like Miami or Tampa or other places on the East Coast, we know what to do in the case of a storm, don't we? Most of us probably have a generator. Some of y'all are crazy when these things happen. You buy, you, you know, the rest of us could use a bottle of water, okay? But you, 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 your, 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 your pantry is stocked. You've learned. You've learned what to do. You've learned where to go. 
We had a tornado warning or watch the other day, and we knew immediately without even thinking about it. You go to the bathroom, you go to where all the pipes are, you go to the, a place that's uh, not, where, not by the windows, in an interior room where you're uh, less likely to have debris falling and hurting somebody. We, we've learned. We've learned because we live with storms in Florida. So we've learned what to do in storms because we live in this state. Well, friends, I hope by now in your life you've been through enough storms, and I hope the storms of life are teaching you some things from time to time. And there are two things in each storm that we all need to learn and we need to be aware of, and that is this. Number one, storms can shake up a disciple. I mean, look what it says here in verse number 37. And a great windstorm arose, and waves beat in the boat so that it was already filling. Now, now, guys, these men were fishermen. They fished the Sea of Galilee. Do you think this is the first time they've ever seen a storm? Absolutely not. Do you think this was the first time a storm rose up violently, caused their ship to have some discomfort and even some possible danger? I don't think it was. But I think sometimes it's so easy to forget that when we go through storms, one of the very first things that happens when you go through a storm is your faith can be shaken if you're not careful. Their faith was so shaken at this point. Just listen to the question that they asked. First of all, Jesus is asleep down in the uh, under part of the ship. They go down into the uh, where Jesus is sleeping and they wake him up and they say, this, listen to this, teacher, do you care? Don't even act like you've never said it or thought it. God, if you actually cared about me, there's no way this would happen. People that you care about don't get news like this. They don't get diagnoses like that. They don't lose jobs like them. They don't go through loss, grief, despair. They don't, that doesn't happen. So, so we, if we're not careful, we make a fundamental mistake that far too often Christians make. They equate health and comfort and ease with God's presence. That is a huge mistake. And we listen to false prosperity teachers all the time telling us things like that. You do this and God's going to bless you and you do this and God's going to make your life easier and you do this and you're going to have these nice things and you're not going to have to worry about difficulty and despair. And folks, i got to tell you, that does not make me want to worship Jesus. That makes me want to worship prosperity. Folks, I am here to tell you that a storm does not mean God doesn't care. And I like the old song, does Jesus care? Does Jesus care when my heart's going through this? Does Jesus care when the burdens are heavy, when the storm is weary? Does Jesus, the, the verses in that song just go on and on? Does Jesus care? Does Jesus care? And I love the chorus of that song. Oh, yes, he cares. I know he cares. His heart is touched with my grief. Oh, yes, storms will shake us. But they never shaked Christ. Think about although the storm shook the disciples, the storm did not sink the disciples. But they can shake disciples. You might be there today, and I think some of you are. I think some of you are right there. You're right on the precipice of major questions about God, major questions about your faith, major questions about how good God is, how faithful God is, how strong God is. Hey, listen, you can ask your questions. God's not afraid of your questions. He is going to challenge your faith, and he challenged theirs. I'm glad I can ask questions. Somebody better help me up here. I'm glad I can ask questions to God, aren't you? Somebody say, don't ever ask God why. Are you kidding me? Jesus did. There's a catch, though. 
Sometimes you may not get the answer you're looking for or the answer right away. You still got to be able to press on and trust him even if you don't hear from him exactly. I can ask God why. I can ask God anything. If I can't ask God why or how or what's wrong or what's going on, then maybe you're not really in a personal relationship with him like you should be. Because if you can't be that open, transparent, honest with God, well, maybe there's a reason why that's true. Read the Psalms. You don't think David was open, honest, and transparent with God? Where are you, God? My enemies are covering me, surrounding me. Are, are, you, are you gone? Have you forsaken me? He asked it over and over and over again. Of the 150 Psalms, like 87 of them are heartbroken Psalms, or Psalms of despair and Psalms of trouble. Oh, listen, the trouble of your heart is the string of God's instruments. You can go and pray and talk and be honest because storms can shake disciples. But number two, storms can shape disciples. Oh, they come with their questions. In verse number 30, Eight, but then they come with their statements of faith in verse 41. What did God do between verses 38 and 41? Well, he just changed it all up. He showed them his power. The storm brought about God's blessing and, 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 and freedom and, and, and release from the circumstance that they were in. And, and folks, listen to me. When it comes to storms in our life, I like what one preacher said. He said, when you're in a storm, here's how God will teach you. He will either lessen the intensity of the storm so you can get through it, or he will increase your capacity to endure a storm that is harsh and difficult. Whatever the case may be, at this case, God actually stopped the storm. But no matter how God uh, did the work that he did here, here's what happened. Their questions were changed into statements. They were shaped. And not that they never struggled again because there's not a person in this room that will never struggle again. The point is, though, God shaped them here. They were shaken, but they were shaped. And now they're ready to watch it go on another day. By the way, I love the way this whole thing started, verse number 35 again, on the same day. You ever had one of those days? The same day. I think Jesus was teaching all day in the synagogues and dealing with all the issues he always dealt with with them. And on the same day, some days just feel like they're never going to end. And the bad news train just keeps on rolling into town some days. But I love this. On that same day, after all that's happened, there was more to happen. And some days are going to be like that. There are going to be more. It's gonna be, uh, there's going to be a multitude of things that take place. There's going to be more things that take place. And I'm glad that even though the day goes long and the storm blows strong, God's still got enough to do even in the longest day uh, in our lives. And that's exactly what it is. He shaped them to where they're saying now, behold, what manner of man is this? You know, one of the greatest things God will ever teach you in a storm is when you come out on the other side and you're saying, look how great God is. Look how awesome he is. Look what he can do. The final truth in our text, this is a great one. God will bring you through the storm. Friend, look at verse 35 again. I love this. This is great. Let us cross over to the other side. Chapter 5, verse 1. And they came. Y'all ain't even hearing me. He said in verse 35, let's cross over 
to the other side. Then he says in chapter 5, verse 1, so they came to the other side. Y'all seeing the connection here? But hey, hey, before the storm, this is what he said. We're going to cross over. And listen to me, friend. If God said it that you're going to the other side, it doesn't matter what storm blows. You're going to the other side. Why? Because God said you're going to the other side. Let's go. He didn't say let's go to a storm. He didn't say let's go fishing. He didn't say let's go ride on a boat out in the middle of the water. No, 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 friend. He said here's where we are and that's where we're going. Let's go to the other side. And friend, what an encouragement to know that if God said something, it's going to happen. But then watch this. Not only, not only were they going to, not only was God going to bring them through the storm because of his word. He was going to bring them he was going to bring them through the storm because they had a set destination. Here's where you're going. And there's where you're going. The songwriter said, weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Watch it, child of God. Jesus said it like this, looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith. He didn't just begin this thing. He's going to end this thing. Revelation 1.8, I am the alpha. And I'm not just the alpha. I'm the omega. I'm the beginning. Come on. And the end. He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus. He got you. Come on. He got you in the ship. He's going to get you to the other side. Oh, I love the old song, how firm a foundation you saints of the Lord is laid for your faith in his excellent war, word. What more can he say than to you he hath said? To you who for refuge to Jesus have fled. Fear not, I am with you. Oh, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will still give you aid. I will strengthen you. Come on, I will help you. I will cause you to stand upheld by my righteous omnipotent hand. When? Through the deep waters I call you to go. The rivers of sorrow shall not overflow, for I will be with you. Your troubles to bless and sanctify to you your deepest distress. When through fiery trials your pathway shall lie, my grace all sufficient shall be your supply. The flames shall not hurt you. I only design your dross to consume and your gold to refine. Listen to this. Lord, help us tonight. Listen to this. The soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose, I will not, I will not desert to his foes. Hear it. The soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I never, no, never, no, never will forsake. We have a firm foundation we have a sure destination and nothing is going to stop you from getting where God wants you to go he will get you through the storm may I say this to you before I close I'd make sure he's on your ship if you're not careful you're going to try to float through life on your own you ain't going to have Jesus on the ship hey look it's bad enough to go in a storm and not have Jesus on the ship. It's worse though when that ship that's destination is heaven is not going to get you there because you're on the wrong ship. There were other little ships in the story. Did you see that? There were other little ships in the story. Jesus wasn't on that ship. I don't know what happened to him. I have no idea. But the one ship Jesus was on was the ship that got where it was going. And here's the bottom line. 
you have the Son, you have life. If you do not have the Son, you do not have life. These things I've written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. He that has the Son has life. He that doesn't have the Son doesn't have life. It's not rocket science. If you got Jesus, you got life. If you don't, you don't. If you know him as your personal Lord and Savior, good. If you have eternal life, for God so loved the world that he gave them, his only begotten son, whoever believes in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. You got Jesus, you got life. But without him, you don't. There's only one way to get him, and that is by faith. You believe upon him and you call upon his name for salvation. I'm here to tell you right now that as sure as I'm standing here preaching to you this morning, I know for sure that when it is my ship's time to sail out of this earth's harbor into the haven of rest in heaven, I'm going. I know I'm going. I punched my ticket for that boat ride on May 25th, 1997. Here's the question, have you? Do you know right now, right now, that if you leave this earth, you're going to be in the presence of the Lord in heaven forever? Do you know that? If not, then right here and right now, it is your opportunity to open up your heart like the front door of your house and accept Jesus to come in and be your Savior. If not, then you will never make it to that haven of rest. Let's pray together.